Hey, it's Flirting with 30, Season 2, The After Party. I'm Laura Beth Kewen. Today's show is about death. But I'll be honest, turning 30 doesn't make you sense your own impending doom. I'm happy to report that the delusion of immortality is still very much a part of my attitude. But it's probably about the time you'll start to worry about some older people you've grown up knowing, including, maybe, your parents. Today's show is I'm Dying Here. It's about knowing your parents and dealing with loss. My friend Sam spoke to me about what it was like when his dad died. And first, when you become an adult, you realize your parents are human. They are flawed, they make mistakes, and you might also have the revelation that they are aging. I called my mom to ask about her mom. Hello. Hi, mom, it's me. Hi, babe. Surprise. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, okay, I was wondering if um, you had a time when you realized that your parents were mortal, that they weren't going to live forever? Oh, yeah, I'll tell you when it was. When your eldest sister, Blythe, was a little girl. We, of course, lived in Oregon, and in the summertime, I would go back to visit my parents. And sometimes I would ride the train. So I would ride from Oregon to Wyoming to Rock Springs. They had a, the train station was open and they had a passenger service and whatever. And we'd take this trip. It was uh, 24 hours, I think, the trip took. And I looked out the window and I saw this, this woman who could have been my mother, but she was so gray. I couldn't, and there was no way my mother had this hair, this gray, gray hair. Mm. And I went, holy crap, that is my mother. And it was the first time I really saw her as the older adult that she was at that point. And she wasn't, now that I think about it, you know, if, she, if I was 25, my mother was only 55. It dawned on me how old she was and that um, she was getting old. Yeah. Now, she certainly wasn't old. I'm, I'm much older than 55 myself now, and I certainly certainly don't think of 55 as being old. But, um, yeah, I think that was the first time I realized that, you know, my mom's mortal. I mean, uh, she's not going to be around forever. And, and then, of course, she's put a lie to that because she's 94 and she's still around. But, <laughs> <laughs> you know, you know what I'm saying. Yeah. Yeah. Um, how old was Grandpa Fred when he died? Oh, my father was 89. 89. Yeah. You always sort of describe him as having, you know, lived lived life hard is a polite way of putting it. <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> yeah, I think he lived a lot of it drunk. <laughs> that's what you mean. <laughs> yeah. He just, I think he had a lot of issues and being the generation that he came from, he was unable to articulate them or work on them, you know, to work through them. Yeah. And so he drank. Mm. You know, he, he had a very hard life coming up with his family, 
And then, of course, he was in the Second World War, and he saw some terrible, horrible, horrible things that traumatized him. I think of those things all, all shaped this personality. That it then it was there was you know you don't say anything, you're you're stiff upper lip, you never cry, you don't express pain, mm. that kind of thing. And so he he drank. Definitely. Yeah. Okay, well, you still got a ways to go on the geezer meter. Yeah, oh, okay, well, thank you. I, I appreciate that. <laughs> I, I know it's coming. I'll let you know. I'll give you a hint. <laughs> no, it's going to be something like when I start wearing a T-shirt with teddy bears on it, then, you know, or a sweatshirt with teddy bears all over it, and it's like, oh, yeah, you, you've gone. You're gone. Uh, yeah. <laughs> or double-knit pants with elastic at the top. <laughs> That's just practical. <laughs> yeah, those are practical. Those are good. I don't have to fuss with buttons and zippers, and I can just pull them up and down. <laughs> your pants hiked up underneath your armpits and crap like that. Yeah, yeah, and you yeah. forget or to take them off. Are your dad going everywhere wearing those god-awful suspenders? Because he's so scrawny, his pants on staff. So he puts on them suspenders. <laughs> he wears them everywhere. <laughs> Oh, you look like such a geezer. (laughs) (laughs) Will this be okay? Can I wear this? (laughs) Well, yes, Clem, you can. (laughs) (laughs) But I'm not one to talk. Today I was like, I'm not putting on a bra. (laughs) I don't care if I am going to see a bunch of old people. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Thanks, Mom. Okay, dear. I love you. I love you very much. Yeah. Have a good one. Thanks, you too. (laughs) Bye-bye. Bye. Bye. (laughs) The writer Adam Gopnik was on a podcast that I listened to the other day. He spoke about the difference between growing up and aging. Maybe we in our 30s are still growing up, but we're approaching maturity. We're leaving youth behind. And our parents... They are aging. They're approaching mortality. And it takes a lot of grace and thought and coping from everyone involved. We don't know what the world will be like when our parents are not around because they have literally always been around. We don't know if we can take care of them because they have always taken care of us. Sam is a big, boisterous, talkative, nerdy friend of mine in Wellington. His dad died when Sam was 29 years old. Sam agreed to talk to me about that experience. My old man was unwell for about five years, so mm. kind of knew it was coming. We just didn't know how it was coming. He just got out of hospital about four weeks before he passed away. Um, he had pretty serious surgery where they removed a meter and a half of his lower intestine. Wow. Um, so he had that removed uh, and he was supposed to go walking, stubborn old man, then go walking and end up getting a blood clot in his leg that went to his lungs, and that's what took him. Oh, um, wow. Yeah, every other sign, even though he was a drinker, a smoker, and didn't eat properly or exercise, every other organ in his body was perfectly fine for a man mm. his age of 64. In fact, they said he could have lived for another couple of decades. But 
you can say there was a physical reason he passed away and there's a mental reason he passed away. Physical being he didn't look after himself, he didn't walk, he didn't leave the house, he lost all purpose, so he just kind of sat around and then got really sick because he didn't eat very well mm. and then had surgery and passed away. Um, but before that happened, he <laughs> lost his job to Thailand because they all moved the Celtics group people to Thailand. Uh, Mum and him broke up. He had to sell the family home that he you'd lived in for like 20 years. Uh, so he went from all this like purpose in life to having no purpose. Uh, and you could just see his health decrease and decline as soon as that happened. Sam remembers being really annoyed with his dad sometimes because of his stubborn old man attitude. So he was going through those health problems and mum and I were trying to deal with it. He was, I had to hire a cleaner in the end because he couldn't clean him for himself and I had to go buy him food for him and pay his bills because he just wasn't really organising organizing himself very well. Um, and I remember having an, a heated discussion or probably possibly called an argument. My mum was there and I was there and we were both kind of concerned because at this time he was not... He was just not being himself. And I remember saying the worst words I've ever said to anyone in my life. I remember telling him he was better off dead than alive to me. Um, at the time, I did feel that. I kind of wish I hadn't said it now. It's weird thinking back on the things you said and things that happened. Last time I saw Dad was on the 3rd of May, um, just before the uh, Floyd Mayweather and Manny Pacquiao fight. Because I remember rushing because I was in a hurry to pick up something from his house and I was in a rush to go catch the fight. And it wasn't until my mum, who they weren't together, they separated, but she went around to see him because she hadn't heard of a couple of days and that's when she found him. So... I was at work when she called me and she asked me was the last time I talked to him and I said, uh, I texted him on Monday but I didn't get a reply, which was quite common. And then I'm caught up and said, I can't get him on. His car's here, can't, the curtains are all closed, he's not opening this door, answering his phone, and I was like, go get the spare key. She called me back and she opened the door and I remember the phone making a thud noise and there was a kind of a loud, sobby scream. This is really depressing to actually think about it now. Um... And then she picked up and said, yeah, he's, he's, he's dead. What do I do? What do I do? What do I do? And I said, hang up the phone for me, call the ambulance, and I'll be over there in seconds. So I flipped straight away into organisation mode. Yeah. So I got there, ambulance in the driveway, three ambulance officers, yeah. And then my mum was a mess, and she said, what do I do? do I, who do I talk to? And I said, call your partner. So her partner, Jeff, and said, you talk to him, and I'll call James. And I think that was the most brutal thing was calling my brother while he was at work saying you got space to go to um dad's passed away we had to stay there for six hours and whoa talk to the cops talk to the doctors talk to the funeral home and then i think i got the phone call at 11 and they finally removed his body at 7 p.m 6 p.m yeah and then we locked up the house, uh, turned off everything, and then went to Mum's house. And I think, I think Mum and I, I think Mum went to bed, and I think I opened a bottle of whiskey. And the next day, I was just straight into action again. My brother's attitude was to shut down completely. 
whereas my attitude was to start organizing everything from the get-go because I'm an engineer by trade so there was a problem I had to solve it and the problem was setting up a funeral so my coping mechanism was to just throw myself into organizing and sorting out the next things I had to do on my list. We found him on a Thursday, we had the ceremony by the next Thursday. I don't think I stopped until... I don't think I stopped until about um, two or three days after the funeral. I think once that had happened I stopped. And I think I just... Well, there was nothing left to organise, right? Like there you... was a shit ton to organise. Oh. Um, but I got asked by my brother and my mum not to. So my brother yeah, wanted give to... Give it a rest. Yeah. yeah. You know, if I had my way, the house would have been sold within like a month. Um, my brother and mother convinced me that that's probably a dumb idea. Uh, and it's currently still within the family. When I was going through his old, his old stuff and I like found his train set he had when he was a kid and then I found like all his photos of him when he was a kid and all his like his class records and things like that. Mm. You kind of start getting a bit sentimental and a bit lovey-dovey, I guess. I threw out a lot of it because a lot of it just was just crap. But thanks to my brother, he kind of convinced me to not throw out everything. Mm. And I think I would have thrown out a lot more if it wasn't for him. Once he was done organizing, once he was done sorting things and throwing things out, Sam faced another harder task of dealing with loss. And that took a lot longer. In fact, I think it was about a year and a bit before I came back to being normal. I was always concerned as to why people weren't feeling sorry for me, as to why wasn't I their main concern. Went to counseling, worked paid, so that I had one of those every week for 22 weeks. What would you talk about? Um, <laughs> Did you talk about your dad every time? No, not every time. So no. uh, she asked me about like simple things like how's things going with your friends. and It's kind of like a really weird mum who's not a mum. <laughs> um, she was a lovely lady. Um, but I throw myself into some destru- um, destructive behaviours. Um, I can see myself kind of not wanting to get out of bed. I... Never knew I had it, but I got diagnosed with very severe anxiety. I think I had friends that just stopped like wanting to hang out with me because I was a bit, mm. bit sad. That's a, bit, a big wake up call, isn't it? A little bit, yeah, huh. yeah. There wasn't there wasn't like anyone close. It was just like at work, I I stopped going out for Friday drinks because I just couldn't be bothered, and people stopped asking me to do things. So I would just be like, no, nah, I can't be bothered. Um, so I became that person. Where everyone's like, what? What's the point of asking? He's just going to say no. When relationships got too hard, I would just throw the talon because I was like, eh, I can't be bothered. Life's too short. I had that mentality at the time. Mm. Uh, and then <laughs> I got a credit card, which I'm still paying off, uh, to go to Japan for a month uh, on a whim. So August 2015, I went to Japan for a month with a friend I hadn't seen in about three years and spent a hefty amount of money blowing it on a really awesome trip. <laughs> just still paying off that really awesome trip. Yeah. So was that important coping or was that escapism? This sounds so cliche. I hate this. This is the cliches thing I've ever said to people, but um, actually, no, there's probably more. This than is going to be the, the headline that we put at the start of the podcast. The moment I knew I was going to be okay was when I was standing on top of Mount Fuji at sunrise after I just walked it and thought, can I swear? Yeah. Ah, uh, fuck it. Um, shit happens. Yeah, he he 
did this to himself, but he was still your old man and he still still got to remember the good times. But you don't have to be like him and you don't have to let your life go that way. Waiting on the winds to shake the leaves Waiting on something you ain't never seen What we learn from our aging parents isn't how to live. We don't want to be them. They drive us crazy. One thing that really came out in my conversation with Sam was the struggle to learn from their flaws while also honoring the love they shared with you. I feel still like the child who remembers his dad being the guy who used to come pick him up at midnight if he was late from a, an after party or if I wanted to go play for, Like, I sucked, sucked so hard at sports. I remember this, I remember my mum telling me this. I sucked so hard at cricket and so hard at football as a kid. I was an overweight, blind kid. Like, when I say blind, I mean, like, I couldn't, I had needed glasses, and because contacts are too expensive, I had to play without my glasses on, so I could hardly see anything. Um, and Dad never gave me shit for being crap. He was always there, always supporting me. He was always my number one fan. Uh, and things like that, I remember, and kind of go, I was really crap, but he was there every weekend, and every, he was on the committees, he did everything. He was an awesome, awesome father. Yeah, I've seen that look all a thousand times You don't get strong from an easy life So give me the winter, give me the bleak cold night No one knows how to deal with it. Um, I wing it every day. They say, the cliche thing is they say it gets easier, and it's not that it gets easier, you just forget. And then every now and again you'll hear like a song or you'll have a memory and then you'll have like a moment of, well, fuck, and then you get back to it. Um, so I know my triggers now. Uh, that's been the last part of, the, of the, the puzzle is figuring out what your triggers are and how to get past them. Like, have you ever heard of the artist Ben Folds or Ben Folds 5? Definitely. Yeah, I stopped listening to him the, about the week after my old man passed away. I've only started listening to him again now for the first time. In fact, I was because I was a bit nervous about doing this, I was listening to one of his albums in the car before I got up here and singing like an idiot. When people in our lives die, anyone who's influenced our lives, not only our parents, we have to face some tricky questions. What do we owe to that person? How can we honor them? What do we learn from them? Sam had to make it up. He had to find his way through when his dad died, and we all will eventually. And that's why it's so scary. But now, Sam, take some comfort in our collective incompetence. You know, you know that you're 15, you like, you look at like that 18 year old, it's like, man, those kids have got it on, they know what they're doing, they're, they're, they're sorted with life. And then you get to 18 year old and you see the people who are finishing university, you're like, man, they know what they're doing, everything's sorted. And you get to like 21, you're like, man, 30 year olds have got it all wrapped up, they know what the f they're doing. <laughs> and then you turn 30 and you go, holy shit, it's all a lie, everyone's faking it, even the 60 year olds, 
everyone is just faking right now and then just trying to get along. Everyone has the same fears, everyone has the same worries. It's just people trying to do the best of what they've got. And that's the most important moment I had when I learnt like the adulting thing because like that's when I learnt that or I came to the conclusion that even though I want everyone to make me a victim and make me at the time like oh you've lost your dad oh so sorry you know blah blah blah, blah. I also realised that it, yeah that's that's the key moment where I learnt everyone has problems everyone doesn't really know how to adult they're just faking it if that's an answer if that's an answer for you Laura <laughs> that is an answer that is a that's a that ramble. is the answer. The answer. Jesus, all right. <laughs> <laughs> Sam, you're the man. Thanks for coming in to chat to me. No problem. Thanks for having me. Eats a fruit from a poison tree. Used to know what it wants to be. But now it don't know anything. One more time. Well, Flirting with 30 is created, edited, and hosted by me, Laura Beth Kewen. Thank you to my interviewee, Sam. Thanks to Martin Andrews and Lost Bird for the music you heard. Thanks to Wellington Access Radio, where I use the studio. And thanks, Mom and Dad. Please subscribe to this podcast. And if you think it's worth recommending, recommend it to your friend. The best way to communicate with me is to find me on Facebook... Flirting with 30, the numbers, 3-0. I'm Laura Beth Kewen. Flirting with 30, season two. Flirt hard with a vengeance. Taking on my troubles once again. It's a fruit from a poison tree. Used to know what it wants to be. But now it don't. One more time One more time That's all There's no more time